Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Um, He asked me to come today and to share what Day 3 Women's Ministry is, and what we are doing, what we are studying, and kind of the foundation of why we are doing what we are doing. So let's go into why women's ministry is important in the church. An effective women's ministry will build up generations of women who will study and pass on scripture. Amen, right? I think especially in our youth days, me having a teenager who's 13 years old, Having her rooted in the word, having her with that sword every day that we talk about, you put on the the sword and the armor of God. So we want to build up women to pass and study on scripture. Titus 2, 4 through 5 says, they are to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, having time for women to be together individually is great. How many men have sat down and their women having a conversation with them and they're talking about 15 things at once and you have no clue what they're saying? I see a lot of heads nodding. Well, at women's ministry, we can have those conversations and solve all 15 of those problems at once. Right, ladies? So it's great to have a formal women's ministry where everybody in the church is able to come together and meet women of their own age, women who are older, women who are younger, and really dive into what God is doing, not in their life, but in scripture. So how are women kind of designed to serve? So when I think about women serving, I think about the story of Mary and Martha of Bethany in the Bible. Everybody know the story of Mary and Martha in the the Bible? Well, Jesus came to Bethany to be, to rest and to be restored And he came to the house of Mary and Martha. And we all know the story. Mary is sitting there at Jesus' feet and she's fawning over him. He is the best thing that's ever there. And Martha's in the kitchen, which is who I am. And she's probably throwing pots all over the kitchen. Why is this woman not helping me? I need dinner ready. These people have came to eat. There's 13 of them. How am I going to get them fed? So we know she walks out and asks Jesus, why is Mary here? Why is she not helping me? And Jesus says she chose the better. What I like about that scripture is he didn't say, but you chose wrong, Martha. He never says that. He says, Mary chose the better for her. So when you think about those two aspects of a godly woman, you have a godly woman, Mary, who was studying and intent on loving and learning about Jesus. But you also have Martha who was intent on preparing and providing for Jesus. And those are two very, very important roles that we both need to model as godly women. Um, I'm a Martha. Any Marthas out there? That would have been in the kitchen making sure everything was ready. Yes. So shout out to all my Marthas. Mary chose the better at that moment for her. But Martha was always doing what, already doing what was called of her. So let's go over some scriptures real quick about why we serve. And when I was looking for scriptures on service, there's about, what Carl? 250, 300 in the Bible give or take a few thousand maybe. So I just picked a few that I was really, really drawn to. Deuteronomy 15, 11 says, there will always be poor people in the land, 
Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And my favorite, Romans 12.13, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Always practice hospitality. And I know that's personally where my heart is. Jeff can answer, attest to this. I'm the crazy Martha in the kitchen when somebody's coming over. It's probably the only time I dust, to be quite honest with you. I'm just going to be real. You, Jeff knows when somebody's coming over to visit because the house is not just clean. It is super clean. Like you can't wipe no dust off no counter. All the flower arrangements are perfectly arranged. But I want to provide a house where they feel that they are at home. That they feel the love of Christ when they walk in the door. So I am really geared towards Martha's heart. So at Day 3 Women's Ministry, we do a lot of serving. We love to go out and serve the community. Um, we have some, a slide here that kind of shows you the three main areas that we serve in. We do the Lenore Soup Kitchen. We also serve at the Safe Harbor Day Center and the Salvation Army of Hope. Um, which is exciting. If you have never been involved in any of those, please get involved. Just because you're not attending a ministry doesn't mean you can't come serve with that ministry, right? So we're going to have a table out here in the next few weeks. You're going to see a table out that will have continuous service opportunities. So if you are not able to get plugged into those ministries, you can still come serve and love these people because all they need is someone to tell them that it's going to be okay that we are praying for him and that God loves him. So what I want to ask is if Ms. Nancy Alexander will come up here. And she's going to share just a couple of minutes on what serving means to her. Nancy was the lady who first got me involved in serving at the soup kitchen here in Lenore and really turned me on to that. So I'm going to let her talk for just a few minutes on what service means to her. Good morning, everybody. Um, God is good all the time. Yes. And all the time, God is good. And all the time, God is good. That's why I'm here right now. No other reason because God is good. And I know that he's going to be with me as I speak. Because if y'all were five years old, I would be fine, but you're not. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to share some scriptures with you. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created to do good works. From John Twelve twenty six. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Matthew twenty five forty. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. The Son of Man came to serve, not be served. Luke three ten eleven. Share with others what you have been given. First Peter four ten. Each one should share his gifts with others. Romans twelve thirteen. Share with God's people who are in need. Acts twenty thirty five. it is more blessed to give than receive. And John thirteen fifteen. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then the one that really spoke to me when I was on a mission trip in the Gulf Coast is 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have been given. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Um, as I mentioned a minute ago, I did go to the Gulf Coast with the church that I was in at the time in Banner Elk, and uh, we went um, three times after Hurricane Katrina to help with cleanup and just to love on people and give them the hope of Jesus whenever they were feeling very low and displaced from their homes. And then in 2009, I had the opportunity to go to Haiti, and that was probably the most eye-opening experience that I've ever had in my whole life. And you see images on television about poverty, but until you actually go and hear and see and smell poverty, you have no idea. Um, That was very eye-opening, as I said. And then about seven years ago, Pastor Lynn's sermon scripture was based on what we're talking about now, serving others. Um, And after the service, I asked him if he could give me an idea of some service opportunities that I might do locally. And he suggested the Salvation Army. So I called the Salvation Army, and I got in the main office, and they said, just go to the shelter, just show up. So I went to the Shelter of Hope, and um, that was really not the way it was supposed to be done. I wasn't supposed to just show up, but anyway, that's what I was told to do, so I did it. And seven years later, I'm still going. Uh, I go one day a week, and I help prepare the evening meal and clean and straighten up the food donations in the pantry or straighten up the linen closet or do just whatever needs to be done. I have made a lot of friends at the shelter over the years, not just the staff people that are there, but a lot of the residents there. And um, unfortunately, I'm still, well, not unfortunately involved with, but I'm still friends with a lot of people who are still homeless. And I try to keep up with them, and if they need to go to the doctor or something, I try to take them or... um, just pray with them and, and continue to try and let them see Jesus through me. And my hope for them and everyone is for them to um, realize that their situation won't always be forever and that uh, they have hope in Jesus. And an opportunity that came to me through a friend of mine um, whose sister uh, is there, was, is the group home in Granite Falls. And I had no idea until just a couple years ago that we had a group home in Granite Falls. There are six residents there, and they are severely handicapped, uh, either physically and or mentally. And um, the ladies' prayer group uh, kind of adopted them, and now um, the ladies' ministry is continuing to do that. And we send cards and just for no reason, and cards for their birthdays. We take gifts at Christmas and on their birthdays and just try to give them a little joy. And to see their faces when they get something is truly joy. And I guess what I want to say is that I feel like God has given me a heart for serving others, and I want to continue to do that as much as I can. And I know that um, the more that I serve him, the more that he's going to use me. Thank you, Nancy. Uh-huh. 
All right, now we have a slideshow to show you some of the pictures that we've done over the last two years. It's only about a minute and a half long, so if you guys will just enjoy this for a minute. many, many women serving. And if you notice in those pictures, it's not just women's ministry. There's youth involved. My daughter gave me the evil eye for her standing there with gloves like this, but I'm sorry. That's part of teaching the younger women to serve God. Um, and it was a beautiful experience. Yes, Roxy? Yes, she's not going to speak because I put her on the spot. And she may have been forced to. No, I'm just going to throw that out there. But at first, she was forced to go, and then she asked to go from then on out. She's kind of disappointed on the weeks that we are full because the soup kitchen is a small place. You get about 10 to 12 women in there and it's a little snug. So at the end of that, you guys saw some pictures that are very, very, very special to me. And that is Cairo's ministry. And I just wanted to touch base with a couple of things that way. And I have brochures for anybody who wants to get involved Kairos is an absolutely amazing experience. Their mission is to share the transforming love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ to impact the hearts and love of incarcerated men, women, and youth, as well as their families. Um, Kairos is currently in 37 states and nine countries. They serve over 600 weekends every year. And if you figure out how many weekends are in a year, they are in a lot of different places. In one year, it takes 30,000 plus volunteers to pull off those 600 weekends. Those volunteers could be sitting here in this room right now. Um, men's ministry goes to Alexander Prison twice a year locally. Women's prison, our women's will go to Swannanoa each year. Um, let me share you what Cairo's outside is a division of Cairo's that speaks to the people who have incarcerated relatives. Um, a Kairos guest wrote this. I was shown unconditional love. I was told that God just wanted to be my friend and I wanted so very much to have a friend. I clung to that simple concept like a drowning woman. 
this was the beginning of the journey of where I am at today. And that was because some women went out and loved on women who had husbands in prison. You know, we forget about the ones on the outside because they didn't do the crime, but they are affected as well. When one of their people are in prison, it affects the entire family. Cairo's inside is an amazing experience. It's a four-day weekend. It is a little bit of an actual sacrifice. We talk about one of the hardest things to give up is our time because that's our time and we don't want to give it away. But when you give it to God, the blessings you receive are far more than anything that you could ever do in your own time on your own. Um, There was a quote that I picked up and I loved it. It says, we have to get outside of ourselves enough to see and respond to the need of others. Helping others often reminds us that life is bigger than our passing problems. Think about that. What are you going through right now? Could it be job turmoil, friends, decisions that you're having to make? But think about being homeless and having to make those decisions. Think about not having food and not knowing where your meals are coming from. And you still have these problems. Makes our problems seem about this big. Because I get to go home to my family with a roof over my head and food in my kitchen. And there are thousands of people in this community that do not. So I encourage you guys, if you have any questions about Kairos, I have plenty of brochures up here you can grab during the day. And uh, their website, kairosprisonministry.org, you can check out all of their stuff there as well. All right, so now we've talked about the Marthas, how we serve. So let's talk about how we study. The women's ministry has been in a book called Adorned by Nancy DeMoss. This book is talking about how to become a Titus II woman. So I'm going to share about four points with you real quick about what we are studying and how women in here that are not involved in the women's ministry can really focus on a godly lifehood. Men don't check out. I thought about bringing my boy with his Nerf gum up here to pick you off as you fell asleep, but Jeff said that was probably not a good idea. Militia church is not, you know, not, not what we're going to do. But. So we are in a dorm. So let's talk about Titus 2. Titus 2 says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Here it comes to the women. Older women likewise. That means men and women, this is all for you. Older women likewise, they're to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled, but are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive. Now that word submissive scares women. That means to serve. Doesn't mean to bow on your knees and kiss his feet unless he asks. No, not at all. So submissive means to serve, okay? To serve their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. We're going to skip down to 10. We're going to skip the slave part. We're going to skip to 10. Not pilfering, but showing all good faith. So with everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love that passage. And we're studying exactly what it takes to be a godly woman, to live out the lifestyle that Paul talks about in Titus. So the first point is, in Titus 2, you have the good news of grace. Grace on top of grace. Amen? Grace on top of grace. It's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to that ungodliness. 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodly and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. It's our desire to adorn the gospel that will keep us away from those worldly passions Paul's talking about. When I say adorn, it means to put in order, to arrange properly. So if you are putting God before everything else, those worldly passions will go away. Now, they're always going to be there. We know that temptations are everywhere. But when you hold fast to the grace of God and put him first... There's nothing else that can stop you. Point number two is the importance of sound doctrine. And Lynn talks about that all the time, how important sound doctrine is. If older women are to teach young women what accords with sound doctrine, as it says in Titus 2.1, we have to know the word, ladies. If we are going to be talking to younger women, counseling younger women, helping younger women, we have to know what God says. We guide with God's roadmap, not our own. Not our own selfish desires, not our own personalities, not what we would do in that situation, but what would God have us to do in that situation. That's why sound doctrine is so vital in this. If we do not know what God wants us to say, then we cannot help others. Number three, which was one I was a little questionable about, It is understanding biblical womanhood. In today's world, we live in a feminist movement. Um, But ladies, we are made to be God, to be a man's helper. Now, when I was in my early 20s, that was hard to chew. I didn't need any help. He didn't need any help. I could do it myself. That is not me. And then I really came to understand God's role for woman as wife, to be his helper, to be his counselor, Titus 3, 5 spells out what it's going to look like. And this is in the life of a young married woman with children. She is to love her husband and children, stay pure, self-controlled, manage her home, practice kindness, and serve her husband. It especially encourages women to be kind. But what I like about that word kind, it doesn't just mean to your husband and your kids. Now, we need to do that too. Don't get me wrong. We've got to be kind to our kids. But kind is linked to many good deeds of godly women throughout the Bible. Not just bringing up the children, but showing hospitality, serving Christians, caring for the needy. The godly woman's home is not just a secure refuge, but it's a base for loving, serving, and reaching out to others. You want to get to know somebody? You want to learn about their problems? You want to pray with them? Invite them over for dinner. Invite them into your home. Show them that you are real. Show them that you love them and you want them to know where you live. You don't mind them coming by and visiting you. I used to live a life where I would stay in our house, right, honey? This is our bubble. Get out. And I find the more people that I let into that bubble, 
the better I am. The more I learn, the more I grow, the more I grow in grace for other people, the more that I grow in my faith. So biblical womanhood is very, very important. Male and female was equal before God, but we have different roles and responsibilities. Different roles and responsibilities. We are there to be his helper. And the last point I have is called practical skills. Young women need older women to kind of come along beside them. They need us. And I say us. That is just crazy. I turned 40 last year and I'm now the older woman. That's just weird. So they need us to give them help and support in the chaos of life after words of wisdom and a godly example. But the way we do that and support younger women is really to mentor them, to train the younger women through our experiences. I have made mistakes in my past that I can help somebody get through something that they're going through. Your story is your story. Um, Krista said something to me at our last women, or actually celebrate recovery, and she said that godly people do ungodly things, but that's because Satan is trying to keep them from doing what God wants them to do. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to go ten out of ten with God, it's going to be something awesome, and it's going to be something mighty, and the devil is trying to keep them from doing it. So as an older woman training these younger women, it is our job to encourage them, to give them spiritual-based information, and to love them through any situation that they have. And I've been very blessed over the last 15 years to be mentored by an Angela and an Angie. Is that not crazy? Same names. Um, Angela, you met last week through Marriage on Fire Ministries. She had a very, very, very crucial role when I first came back to church. I was raised Christian. I knew all this, but I wasn't living it. And when I came back to church and started to get to know the church, which is the people in this room, not these walls, she looked at me one day and said, you are not your past. You are not who you used to be. God is not done with you yet. You are a beautiful child of God. And that is something I needed to hear so bad right then because I was so ashamed of everything that I had done, knowing that it was wrong. I was a Christian. I was raised Christian. I was in a godly household. I was at church every Sunday, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Can you tell I was Southern Baptist? Um, So anytime the doors were open, we were there. But I needed that support, that older woman to come along inside me and go, oh, I've messed up too, but it's okay, because look what God can do with me. And now I've been blessed with Angie Crump. And uh, she says she doesn't do the best job with me, but I'm not as hands-on as most people because you have to tie me down to catch me. (laughs) So we have had some amazing conversations over the last year. She has helped me through so much. Um, I have a God filter now, and I call it the Angie filter. What would Angie do first instead of what would Sandy do? Because my knee-jerk reaction is defense. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. But when they hurt me, I need to love them. So I want Angie to come share for a few minutes, as thrilled as she is, about why she is called to mentor, how she does her mentoring, and uh, I'll let her talk for a couple. Hey, guys. Um, I'm going to put my stuff here because I'll get lost and have to read. So um, when Sandy first asked me to do this, I was like, sure, I'll do this. And then I started thinking, I was like, I don't know that I do this very well, Sandy. I'm not sure what you want me to say, but I also think that that was Satan, because Satan tells me I'm not good enough. I don't know what to say. I cry too much when I get in front of people. 
Um, and you're just not smart enough. Um, I do not read very well. I do not spell. I spell terribly. I had Cindy read my notes, and I was like, you just have to just read what it sounds like because I know the words are not spelled right. Um, so that's something that I have dealt with my whole life. And um, a lot of times it kept me, when I was younger, doing things. I felt like, okay, I can do kids. Don't really like kids, to be honest, but I knew that they didn't know that I wasn't smart. <laughs> but when I did adults, they know that my words are not spelled right, that I don't talk exactly right, and um, and when I'm reading scripture, I might stumble over a word. And uh, that kept me from training up younger women a lot, because Satan would say, you're just not smart enough. Um, but God says that he cre- created me, and I'll cry in front of you, so that's one of my things Satan tells me I can't talk, but... Um, God said he created me. He loves me. He knows my uh, deficiencies. Um, you know, Paul told him, asked the Lord one time to get rid of what was wrong with him. And God said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the one that you're supposed to get your strength from. And um, so it took me a long time to realize that. But once I did, um, God also told, tells me that, I know you messed up, but you're forgiven because you're a child of mine. Um, And he also says that he wants me to obey what he tells me to do. And so why do I think mentoring is important? First of all, Titus 2 tells us that God calls us to teach and to encourage. And um, God's blessed me beyond anything that I could ever imagine. Um, And he asked me to obey him. And the Bible uh, has many examples of mentoring. Um, I look back trying to find mentors of uh, women, and Naomi and Ruth come to mind. You know, Naomi was this depressed person that lost everything, but she mentored this beautiful young lady named Ruth and told her exactly what to do. And, and when you read that, the book of Ruth, it's just a beautiful um, story of redemption. Um, and I'm not perfect at all. I've made lots and lots and lots of mistakes. Um, but Christ, again, what I said a while ago, Christ tells me that if I've accepted Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven. And I'm a new creation in him. And that, um, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, so through his strength, I think that I am called, and I think all women are called, to uh, teach and encourage the younger women and um, learn from the older women on when you do make mistakes, <laughs> where to turn to, where to feel forgiven. Um, to be honest, through some of my worst mistakes, when I've tried to do things my way, I found myself face down saying, Lord, help me. <laughs> I've messed this up. <laughs> help me figure out how to uh, do this. And that's where I've gained most of my uh, wisdom, is my mess-ups, not the times that I've, you know, done things right the first time. It's when I've messed up and had to turn to the Lord. Uh, If I would learn to turn to the Lord first, I might not mess up quite as much. But, um, you know, and some of those times have been, you know, when my marriage is completely falling apart. And, you know, I'm trying to fix everything, and I'm trying to, to make everything right. And uh, to be honest, one of the biggest things was when I sit and say, Lord, I can't fix this. It's unfixable, but I know you can fix it. And 
not, don't try to change him, but try to change me, change my heart. And um, that's when things started to turn around. Um, when my kids were doing things that I knew that they shouldn't be doing or doing things that I didn't really want them to do. And me having to turn around and say, God, I can't be with them 24-7, but you can. Um, I can't protect them, but you can. Uh, you may want them to go through things that I don't particularly want them to go through, but you know what you have planned for them. And that's when I've learned to take my hands off and pray and get on my knees and, and um, just trust him to, to do what is the right thing, even though it might seem like it's totally chaotic to me and that I may be scared to death. Um, but anyway... Um, what mentoring means to me is to spend time with somebody. Get to know them. Um, can't really help somebody if you don't know what's going on in their life. Um, listen, pray, encourage, don't judge. Um, and then just teach them what the Lord has taught you. Um, it doesn't have to be anything really fancy. It's just what the Lord has, has uh, taught you. And mentoring takes on many different forms. Sometimes it's meeting with somebody on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, having a lesson planned, um, or, you know, just talking. Um, sometimes it's meeting at different times. It's kind of what me and Sandy do when I can grab her or when she can grab me when our lives are not um, going in a hundred different ways. Um, but we meet together when we need to go talk things over, um, she may just give me a call. We may eat. She may come over to the house. We can come, I can go over to her house, whatever. Um, but just bouncing things off of each other and making sure that, that what, what we're thinking is the right, right direction. Um, and then sometimes it's people that you do life with day in and day out, like a daughter or a niece or a nephew um, or a son. Um, but... If God has placed someone in your life that you feel like that, that he's called you to mentor, ask them. Um, set up a time to meet. Be intentional in it. Um, be in prayer. And always make sure you give God leave. Like Sandy said a while ago, a lot of times it's real easy. If I, would, if I was in this situation, that's what I would do. You know, sometimes that what I would do is not the correct thing to do because <laughs> sometimes our emotions kind of get in the way a little bit. Um, but what God would do, uh, what God tells us to do. Um, and sometimes that's contrary of what we really want to do. Um, and don't be afraid to make mistakes um, because you will as a mentor, but also be willing to uh, admit them and ask for forgiveness. Um, if you feel like that you need to be mentored, which I think all of us do, um, but if you really feel like God um, has placed in your heart that, hey, I need somebody to guide me. Um, seek a godly man or woman out and, um, and ask them. And always be open to advice because a lot of times mentors will tell you things that you don't necessarily want to hear. Because, um, you know, a lot of times they say, okay, I'm gonna be a, I want you to tell me what I'm thinking is the correct thing, and sometimes it's not. Um, be open uh, to friendship. Be kind, respectful, and loving. And be patient and know that that person's not uh, perfect. Um, I just want to give you a quote. I know we were, uh, Sandy was talking about the book Adorned. It's a wonderful book. Um, 
but I'm going to just quote um, something that was in there. It says, as Christians, God intends for our lives to intersect with one another and carry each other forward into the strong, victorious, beautiful banner of Christ. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Angie. You know, I was uh, reading as I was talking about mentoring, and mentoring goes all the way back to the Old Testament and Deuteronomy. I'll read this scripture to you real quick, and it says, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. There's that one-on-one at home. Talk to them when you are at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your guests. You know, relationships are the primary means that God has for establishing, learning about, and preserving his commandments. We learn from each other. Uh, Mentoring is a way of raising up mature Christian disciples within the body of Christ. I love Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that in itself right there is mentoring. Romans 15, 14 says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. So God himself, he says there, you are competent. You can instruct one another, but we have to know that we have the good news of grace, that we have the sound doctrine to do so, that we know as a woman what our biblical womanhood is, and that is to have both aspects of the Marys and the Marthas, to be able to study and learn God's word, but also to be fervent in the kitchen and preparing for those that we love. Um, there is no greater way to get to know somebody than to have a meal with them. No greater way. So I encourage you all. I have a couple of challenges for you here as we close out today. If you guys have not seen already, there is no excuse to not get involved at Day 3 Church. There's no reason for you to be doing life alone. I counted seven Bible studies out there that are coming up starting today. Seven. That is seven different times during the week, seven different locations where you can get to a Bible study. Invest in that group or a ministry. You have men's ministry. You have women's ministry. You have Celebrate Recovery. You have seven life groups. That's ten ways just right there for you to get plugged in. This women's ministry Sunday was just to show you guys what this church is doing for its people. We love them. We are teaching them. We are giving them the tools that when they leave day three church and they walk out into the world that we live in today, that we are radiating God's love. And you do that by learning more and more and more about him. Step out and invest in an individual. This is a tough one. And I will be honest, you're going to have to have some courage here. As the band comes out and we're praying and we have an invitation time, if you guys feel like you are needing someone to mentor you, there's stuff in your life that you're not sure how to get through, 
You have no idea. I guarantee you there is somebody here in this church as I look amongst all these friendly faces that can help you get through what you're going through. If you are an older, more seasoned individual and you have something to pour into somebody and you want to mentor, come let me know. We'll get you with Pastor Lynn. We'll get you in a discipleship group. We will find you somebody that you can pour your wisdom into because there is nothing greater than sharing your struggles and watching somebody go, oh, mine are not that bad either. I think that's one of the biggest realizations I came into when I came back to church and I came back to Christ and I got involved with the women in my church was, they are just as messed up as I am. And that is okay. (laughs) You know, they are just as messed up as I am. We do this thing called life together. We are in a sinful world. When sin entered this world, it entered the entire world for the entire time. So I encourage you, while we have invitation, while we're praying, if you guys want to come forward, if there's something bothering you that I can pray with you about, Angie can pray with you about, Carl's here, Jeff's here. There are many people here that will pray with you if there's something that you're struggling with. If you want to be mentored, if you want to be a mentor, if you have questions about our life groups and ministries, guys, please, please, please get involved, okay? Bow your heads and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the time that you've given us this morning, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to reach out and just live life together. God, you don't mean for us to do life alone. And as we've studied, there are many, many ways that we can live that godly life. And we do it with other godly people. God, give us the strength to step forward if we are struggling. God, give us the strength to step forward if we know that we can help someone. God, we ask you to bless this time and everything that we do. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.